Hello and welcome back to another edition of Editing Aloud. And before we get into any um, uh, content in the papers today, because it happened too late for them, uh, panel, um, last night was pretty special in South Africa, the launch of Peter Louis Mayberg's book, Gangster State, um, uh, uh, detailing in with real professionalism the sort of, you know, the crimes against the state of one Ace Magushule. Uh, the launch at, in the, at the Santon Exclusive Books was disrupted by people wearing ANC t-shirts and ANC regalia shouting ace, 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 um, uh, tearing the book up and uh, generally, I think the, the launch had to be um, uh, abandoned. And um, uh, apparently the Free State Youth League has now invited people uh, to come and burn the book with them, except they don't want to buy any books themselves. So you have to apparently take your own <laughs> if you want to burn it. I, I mean, uh, clearly, you know, there are people around, um, and we know this, uh, you know, young people in our politics who are, who are completely clueless. Um, but, but, but Patrick, do you think last night was, was a, a, a sort of watershed moment in, in, for, for South Africa? Our watershed maybe, Peter, but it's been coming. I mean, there have been so many instances, um, both during the election period and before, where it's quite clear that, the, the, if you like, the spirit of intolerance is, is, um, is, is rising. Um, you've had uh, meetings disrupted, uh, posters, uh, rival parties' posters, pulled off poles and trees, etc. That happens in all elections, doesn't it? It happens. And... Um, yeah. You know, possibly. So, I mean, now. chair throwing has been going on for two decades now. Well, I remember reading um, Herman Charles Bosman. Yeah. Uh, the chair throwing at the Johannesburg City Hall. You had to. Um, and they weren't plastic well, in those yeah. days. It's no, a it's tradition. They, they were hard. Really you, do some damage. you had to arm yourself with uh, what he called a stick stool <laughs> uh, before you um, engage the meeting. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of more of the same, possibly with more intensity as we move towards. Uh, uh, move towards May 8. Yeah. Uh, the book burning, I mean, again, a uh, bit of a racial element uh, there at uh, exclusive books, ordering the whites out of the shops, etc. And now, as you say... Uh, uh, how, how different would the book burning be to say burning the art, Larry, at um, UCT? And I remember, I remember particularly because one of the pe paintings that was burnt was of Molly Blackburn, who, whose death by the hands of the security police in 1988, I think, caused the biggest single funeral ever seen in Port Elizabeth. Um, I think the book burning is actually quite serious because um, we've never, we've, it's, it's, we've, we've kind of almost gotten used to a kind of like temperature, like a, a hostile temperature towards, towards journalists. Mm. Um, but now we've all seen it ramp up a bit. What's next after book burning? Banning journalists? Where's where's the next point in the the kind of the, the heating up of of the of uh, the assault on journalism? What, uh, Julieta, were you convinced at all by the ANC statement? I mean, you had a, everybody presumably having to get their act together quite quite quickly last night after after the event. Um, they did put out a statement condemning mm. it. Well, they distanced themselves. Yes. And isn't isn't that difference to outright condemnation where? President Cyril Ramaphosa stands up and says, this is, we draw a line in the sand. This is totally unacceptable. This is not what we fought for. And interestingly enough, I saw Jackson and Tembu on Twitter saying, 
this this um, uh, this does the, our hard fought and hard won democracy is completely tarnished by uh, an action such so as this. So he got it more right. Mm. So he got it more right. Yeah. Um, but you need to see that I think from the very top, where you can't just distance yourself. You actually have to go I out. I wonder sometimes when you you'll have an ANC, you'll have you'll have a terrible disaster occur, and somebody from the ANC will say that it's very unfortunate, and I wonder whether whether it's just a sort of a language thing where the people aren't able to express themselves as vividly as maybe they sometimes need to. I mean... I think uh, you're giving them too much benefit of yeah, the doubt, Peter. Yeah, really. So their English is good enough to, to, to call something appalling when it is appalling. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, in in um, today's Financial Mail, or this week's Financial Mail, Richard, uh, Richard Calland, who we all know, is um, very clever. Uh, he's the... Um, professor, he's a professor in public law at, the UC, at UCT. Uh, he's done a sort of report card on Soro Ramaphosa, and he's given him, um, this is just three weeks ahead of the election, obviously, he's given Ramaphosa 62% for the job so far. And Larry, you had some strong feelings about his chart. It's quite nicely done. I like the chart. Um, I like the, the, the ranking. I, I like the way it was laid out. It's kind of, we always don't know where the presidency is because... In, in his governance, and this actually kind of gives us something to work with. What I would have liked is to have some kind of weighting to, to some of the, the aspects of the of the of the of, of, the, fi of the, the things that make up the final score. So, is criminal justice more important than land reform or the mining sector? We know this is kind of a nebulous thing. If you want to give a ranking to yeah. Pacific. To, uh, waiting specific to any of these functions, but it will be nice to know whether, whether like you know, the things that he has to do that move the most, the quickest on. This is the thing. He's this is where he, uh, this is where he's, uh, his uh, ranking should be. Yeah. Some of the stuff can be kicked. I mean, some of the stuff will take a couple of years to sort out, and we can give him some some scope for that. But what's the thing that he has to do right now in the next year or so? That's the thing I want to know. What the, the, the what, what, what? That's the thing I want to know. What's the most important thing he has to to, to move on as quickly? What do you well. think it is? Um, I would say um, probably. If you could pick one. The ESCOM. Okay. I think ESCOM is the ESCOM is the, the bellwether of this country at the moment. How do you? And does anybody have any any have you read anything? Anybody have any ideas about how to what you do? I mean. I think that I think what that's what we've seen over the, the when we saw the the, the the management of ESCOM and the, the minister of of, uh, of, of, of public works uh, kind of give a presentation on what was happening at yeah. ESCOM. It didn't exactly fool me with confidence. To yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, they seem to have made, Juliet, a, a, a clear decision. They're going to finish um, Kusila and Madupi. Right? They said there's no going back. Yeah, there's no going yeah. back. Whereas, in fact, they could just stop. Now, there'd be a cost to stopping, but it would be the end of fixing it. Yeah. So the maintenance could go back to the old power stations, um, which, uh, which, which, which money is now being eaten up by finishing Kusila and Madupi. I mean, uh, I'm told, and I don't know, that I haven't spoken to him personally, but people who have reckon that Brian, Brian Darmas's advice would be to stop now mm. on those two things. Why, write them off uh, and, and go with what you've got and get it, pack as much, you know, as much time into the, into the existing coal power stations as you could. Take that, take that shocked, shocked look off your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking of, of the, the, the very many ramifications yeah. of, of that step. Yeah. So firstly, you write off a couple of hundred billion um, and you say, that's money wasted. But yeah. also, the problem is that Madupi and Kosile were 
uh, to some extent, vanity projects. Mm. You know, the big, big projects to, they're almost like apartheid era, the, the building of the Johannesburg General Hospital. Mm. You know, we are going to build the, Africa's biggest mm. coal-fired power mm. stations, and now we've stuffed it up. Mm. So, you know, you can't, you, you can't let that happen. We can't stuff it up. So we are just, uh, we are committed. We are yoked to this. Um, and we can't let it's these like things go. It's like bowling bounces that somebody <laughs> keeps scoring sixes off you every time <laughs> the ball goes past his head. Well, you just used a cricket analogy, so yeah. that's completely over the top of my head. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's basically doing the same thing over and over again yeah. and, and hoping for a, a, a better result. I, I, I mean, this 36, so I think it was, what, 18 billion rand to finish each, I, I could be, I stand to be corrected. Well, um, I mean, any, any, any number that they give you to finish it, you can double. Sure. Okay. So then you think, okay, well, can we afford this? So, so maybe, mm. maybe that's actually, maybe that's where you have to yeah. say, um, can we actually afford to, to continue building um, rather than, and, and just simply ignore the cost of the money that's yeah. sunk yeah. into these assets? I mean, the reason they were built was because you, you remember that the ANC decided back in 97 not to build when ESCOM mm. said it should. Mm. And ESCOM said, if you don't build now, this was in 1997, in 2007, you'll mm. run out of electricity. And they did. Mm. Well, a year, they were a year out. Mm. I mean, it was absolutely spot on. But I feel, Peter, I mean, regardless of those details, the, 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 the point to me is that as long as ESCOM is run as an ideologically driven monopoly, it doesn't matter whether we finish Kusile, whether we finish Madupi, what they really should be doing is introducing some competition, breaking up mm. aspects of ethyl. And if it comes to the worst, you Madupi, Kusile, you say, right, these are for sale to the bidder. Mm. These, yeah. You put in your bids. What have you got planned for these things? In a way, that, that is happening. I mean, he's, 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 Ramaphosa decided to break it up. He'll introduce competition mm. from if the that point happens. of generation. Um, I think the network does need to be controlled by, by the state. Um, it needs to be needs to buy Julieta. Yeah, well, I mean, there is that aspect, and, and I am no electrical engineer. So, if um, but on the, the Jesse Duarte would say you're just a journalist. But ideologically, I mean, I think Patrick's absolutely right. And ideologically, though, the ANC has this problem where it wants to insert it itself. Mm. It can't let go. Yeah. It's got this. Yeah. Uh, it's got this Soviet era yeah. Stalinist way of thinking, where it it, it sees itself at the centre of every absolutely. economic action in South Africa, yeah. and that is so. It's totally outdated, and yeah. it's yeah. clearly failed. So, and what, and what I found amusing about sorry too, yeah. just. Uh, is this idea that if, if, if a thing like providing electricity, for example, is really important, then only the state can do it. And, yeah. yet, and yet we deal no, with so many really mean. important yeah. things like food, like clothing, mm. that have no state involvement. And, um, but this, is, but this, is part of the, this is part of the divide inside the ANC. Mm -hmm. I mean, this Absolutely. is like Tony Blair arriving into Absolutely. the Labour Party. Yeah. He, had to get, he had to get, I don't know, what is it? He had to get, he had to get, <laughs> he had to get the trade unions out of the way. Before he could, before he could um, uh, reform the party. What do you think of this ranking, Juliet? A sixty-two point three. Um, uh, well, for, what does for, uh, for what does Richard Callan say here? I, I'd probably say he deserved an upper second, and, and that a lower <laughs> second was a bit hard on him. Mm, so mm. I think Richard is probably in your camp, Peter, because. Um, that he's giving Cyril the benefit of the doubt. And I think uh. maybe restoring confidence in the presidency. So there's this table um, in the FM, nine and a half out of 10. I think 
maybe that's fair. Clearing up the criminal justice sector, empowering chapter nine bodies, eight and a half out of ten. Not bad. Land reform, I totally agree. Two and a half out of ten. Mm. Um, we have the land reform. It's, land it's reform. Halfway, yeah. halfway down the, the page. And, um, Except it's, it starts to improve, doesn't it, this year? January, February, March. Uh, his marks improve. So he goes from very poor <laughs> to, um, to, to, good. to good. I'm not sure how you arrived at the conclusion because actually in the budget, the, um, there was very little uh, allocated towards land reform. And I've written on, on land reform yeah. before. Um, no more Except than 1%. they left your name of the story. They left my <laughs> oh, well. So, so land reform, he, he improves slightly. He gets very low marks for fisc fiscal uh, stability, Forging a new social compact and engagement with social partners, he fails, um, and he fails managing factional disputes with key provincial structures of the ANC. I'm not sure that that's a fail. Basically, he's moved all his problem people in the provinces are now on the parliamentary list. So that'll go, that'll move, that'll kind of move the problem to another. Um, dimension to another dimension <laughs> <laughs> to, it'll move the problem to all of us <laughs> gee thanks <laughs> um, but Peter if I may just finish my point on land reform yeah, yeah. Um, in the national budget yeah. this is we were, I certainly was expecting um, much more money to be allocated towards land reform if, yeah. if, if land reform is, is become so it was such a hot potato um, uh, and a hot political issue in 2018 then to allocate virtually no money towards it, yeah. in, um, introduces cognitive dissonance of, a, yeah. of an um, extreme level. And, but if but you're just talking about land reform without compensation, why would you have to budget for well, it? Because you're just going to well, take Well, maybe that's free. the thing. But just uh, just a last point: the ANC has government has never budgeted more than one percent of the national uh, budget on land reform, yeah. which has to tell you how it views where the it isn't. Yeah. So what are, what are its what are its highest its highest allocations, Larry, what are they? Education? It's education gets the most. Yeah. I uh, think. Health? Social security. Yeah. Uh, health. health social security. Yeah, health. yeah, I think it's just like the basic I mean one of the great tragedies of costs. our budgeting is the Defence Force, which is now ca capable of doing almost nothing. We had two helicopters to send into Mozambique. Mm -hmm. That was it. Um, and one Hercules transport. That's that's So what was the arms deal about then? Eh? What's it? the arms deal? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, this is you. the thing. There's a very good piece I noticed in the Mailing Guardian the other day, basically saying there is w one ship of the ones that were bought uh, during the arms deal capable at a time of doing any sort of maritime mm. patrolling for piracy, for ships of shipping, uh, fishing illegally. And that hasn't changed. We've still got one ship available. So. Yeah. And, yeah. and our submarine, one of the submarines, I think, is on Slint Dry Dock. Uh, Once we got Dry Dock and one hit the bottom too but, hard. But the arms deal was a, a money-making scheme dressed up yeah. as, a, mm. as a necessary procurement exercise, yeah. which it never was. Mm. And uh, I'm afraid a lot of our schemes seem to be a little bit like yeah. that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> to put it delicately. Um, the... Um, a couple of things out of the newspapers today. Rio Tinto has announced a big project in, in South Africa. I think Anglo recently did as well. No? I mean, uh, why, would you, why would you spend $6.5 billion um, in South Africa uh, now? Well, I suppose um, when you... Um, Riches Bay Minerals, which is the, the project into which yeah. um, the investment is being made, um, accounts according to Lisa Stain's article, for 25% of the world's titanium feedstock, 33% uh, of zircon output. Um, we, because even though we have political risk, we also have the, 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 mit the metals and the minerals that the world needs. 
Yeah. Uh, and one just has to... But I isn't guess, it interesting that it allows Gwede Mantasha, the, this is the guy who, you know, literally says anything that comes to mind uh, when it... It's, you know, it affirms South Africa's attractiveness as an investment destination and it's, uh, quote, stable and predictable and regulatory environment, which is completely ridiculous. We know that there's no such thing. But he can say it without, um, without any blushing. sort of... Con well, without any uh, contradiction. Um, does nobody call him up or call up anybody to, 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 to comment on that? Patrick... Patrick, it's the message. Roger has just committed the ultimate sin of not switching off... <laughs> His telephone on live television. Um, <laughs> but it's no problem. Um, uh, there's also, an, I noticed, uh, uh, Larry and Julieta, um, the IMF cutting its growth forecast for, uh, for South Africa. So we were looking um, uh, at 1.4 and 1.7. 1.4 this year and 1.7 next year. And they've cut it to 1.2 to 1.5. We, we, we don't have any good investment story to tell. Why Moody's didn't downgrade us, um, they've sort of explained, but presumably what Moody's is doing is just basically taking a big bet on Ramaphosa as well. Mm. I think Moody's is like a parent... Um it's like a parent that's like trying to explain away a child's gambling problem. Yeah. I actually feel that, that they said, no, no, he, he's committed to transforming. He's, he's going for counseling. He's not going to the casino anymore. It feels like that's with what Moody's is doing. It's not actually kind of, it's, it's kind of in a little bit in denial. Which is interesting because uh, a lot of hard money uh, decisions are based on yeah. the, the, the investment grade rating that these ratings agencies allocate. So... Mm. Uh, I hope the, the rest of the, <laughs> of, of the world's uh, man, uh, fund managers are as forgiving as, as old media. You know, oddly enough, it may also be an indication that, that um, they don't take our politics that seriously. Mm. Do we and take our politics too seriously? And maybe we take it too yeah. seriously. And you look at the Rio Tinto thing. Obviously, there's, there's stuff we have in South Africa. There's opportunities and... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a big, important country in Africa, and uh, Africa's an important continent in the global supply chain. They can't just leave us out. You know, there does come a point where they do have to kind of get in, and, and yeah, and maybe they don't really... I mean, if, 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 if Rio Tinto had read, read my Twitter timeline, <laughs> they'd have all gone out and shot themselves rather than invested 6.5 billion rand in mineral sands here. Well, thank you. Um, Peter, you and I are doing our collective effort to depress uh, <laughs> potential or to um, yeah. repel potential I mean, well, investors. Is there a case, Larry? I mean, you're a hopeful chap. <laughs> is there a case for, for not giving up and not despairing completely? I mean, um, we're not broken. We're not broken, but where today. are we in this country? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, are we in South Africa in the 80s or South Africa in the 90s? Um, if we were to look at South Africa in the 80s, we'd have a similar story as we're saying now. You know, South Africa is, is the, we're not investing enough, uh, there's, the, there's, there's poverty, there's identity, the, 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 the education systems are not fixed. But at the same time in the 80s, we weren't a democracy, we weren't in, kind of locked into the world economy, uh, we, we wouldn't, there was no kind of institutional um, framework to like to solve the problems at yeah. least now they are probably the ways there's something we can do to solve the problems um as i said before the, the my big concern is escom um i spoke to my local laundry uh, the guy that runs my local laundry and he said that i asked him like how did he deal with the load shedding that happened he says i still have to pay rent 
Um, I can't, I, I, he, he can't earn an income and he still has to pay rent. His business was basically shut down for a, a few days in, uh, last month. That's the problem when I, when I think of ESCOM. That kind of like, if you, if you have a monopoly on power, literal monopoly on power, and you can't even secure supply, uh, even at, or at what any price you uh, I mean, is willing to we pay. We know that they can't. So yeah. it's a, it, that ESCOM is deeply damaged is just a fact. We have yeah. to live with it. I mean, how do you fix it? What do you do? I think why, does it, why does nobody agree? I think the, why is there no agreement on with it? ESCOM, my, with ESCOM, I, the government has to make a choice. Either it provides power or it saves ESCOM. Uh, that's the choice. Mm -hmm. If, you, if, you, if the government has to say we're going to save ESCOM, that means providing power comes second. That Presumably if the price of ESCOM, which the government regulates, yeah. if the price of electricity were high enough, everybody would want to supply electricity. Yes. But we keep it low. So, I mean, what do you do, Julieta? You've got strong views about the future of the country. Mm. What do you do to save ESCOM now? This is your call. You're in charge. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I would... I would uh, try and implement some rigor in in terms of um, the, the the staff that ESCOM has. Yeah. So if we understand from the World Bank yeah. that ESCOM is overstaffed by a third, yeah. I think you have got to allow management of ESCOM to say, right, we have got to cut jobs because we have got to cut costs. Mm. And we clearly are overstaffed. Um, we have an unproductive workforce. Uh, and you've, you've got to do something about that and you've got to let management do something about that. Yeah. If you don't, uh, and what is interesting to me is that government is not really letting the natural forces that should yeah. come into effect um, in private companies play Patrick, out. Patrick, is that just pure politics? Is that not, not before an election, guys? Yeah, look, I mean, um, the, the thing with ESCOM is uh, they're a bit like the taxi industry. You know, whereas the taxi industry can block the roads, the workers in ESCOM can just switch the lights off. Mm. And, you know, we have had suspicions over the past few months that, uh, that certain periods of, 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 of darkness and so-called load shedding were uh, a factor of, of unions mm. venting their anger, um, which is not to say, you know, don't do it, but it comes to the point of, of cracking the whip. Where do you... Where, 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 how do you give ESCOM management the wherewithal to crack the whip against unions that are allied to the ANC, which runs ESCOM, and which faces an election, and, you know, which is always in a difficult uh, political situation? But I find that really intriguing, and you probably all know better than I. Why do the unions have so much sway? The, their membership has declined. They, um, Irvin Jim is running on his own, mm -hmm. um, in, on an, uh, his own ticket mm -hmm. in this election, um, and you've got... I keep saying the stat, 26.7 million registered voters in South Africa. Union mm. membership is probably no more than a couple of million. I mean, uh, NUMSA um, is about 340,000 people. Yeah. The, the union well, membership I mean, numbers are not that One high. of the reasons they've got power is that they're well organized, so mm. that, so that they're better organized than the political parties are. At, you know, they know more about their members. They know where people, they know where people are. They're able to, as a political force during an election, you want them in your tent, mm. sort of pissing out rather than the other way around. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the threat by the NUM to, 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 to put the lights off just mm. before the election kind of gone away a little bit, you know. Yeah. What's happened to that? That will have been, 
there have been lots of chats, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. with the president and the head of the N- N- NPA. You remember the head of, uh, not the NPA, the head of Casato? Mm-hmm. The head of Casato um, uh, um, was, the, was the person who Jesse Duarte defeated in the last election to become Deputy Se- mm-hmm. Secretary General of the ANC. And I'm sure she's a Cyril, not a pointy, but she'd be in Cyril's camp over at Casato, and I'm sure he'd have some way of 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 talk of talking to them. I, I th- you know, but before an election, um, to you know, to start, no, no government would do it. No government would fire all these mm. people. Um, and yet, uh, with, a bold with, government, a government that knew itself and knew what it wanted from the next five years, yeah. might, and and actually. Uh, might be rewarded for that. And I feel mm. that South yeah. Africa is paralyzed by fear um, that we don't make bold decisions no. and we don't say, to hell with it. Mm. Let's, this is what we want to see happening in our state. Let us go after it. And, and it will... Part of the, you, you've part just got to hit your wagon. Is anyone able to make decisions really now is still the ANC. I mean, mm. the, the DA has the cape. Um, and we'll probably keep the cap, and I'm sure Alan Wendy will be very good there as Premier. But, um, you know, for the rest of it, you're asking a party that doesn't know it's, you know, left from its right hand, basically, to make these big, bold decisions. And they've been brought up on a diet of ideological rubbish. So they have no, they have no clue of what's actually possible. You know, they assume capitalism is... Is the enemy? In so fact, it's a salvation. Why are you saying we you should mean, vote for the ANC? And for well, Cyril? because well, because I'm not voting for the ANC. I mean, I will have to, I suppose. But I'm trying to basically make sure that Sir Ramaphosa has enough time, as much time as possible, to reform the state, and he's already started doing that. Mm. There you go. Well, let's shut everybody. Up. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll be back with you next week. Thanks for joining us. See you soon.